What is up, YouTube? Welcome to Orlando. Sidious Mac coming to you live from the Sidious Cafe presented by Hoka here in Orlando. I'm Chris Chavez, 259 Marathoner, joined <laughs> by my co-host and colleague. We'll start all the way down uh, on that side. We've got two-time NCAA champion, Wanamaker Mile champion, uh, world championship qualifier Eric Jenkins in the house. Eric, Hello. happy how to you be doing? here. Psych. <laughs> We've got uh, two-time world record holder, world relays champion, 352 miler in the pre-super shoes spikes era, and the guy who thought he might be racing on Saturday, but then realized it's a little bit harder to run 218. Kyle Merbert in the house. <laughs> I don't know if wow. that's entirely true, but I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, so we are here in Orlando. It is. 10 a.m. In, in 48 hours, the race will be underway. The conditions are nice right now. For all the talk that weather dominated uh, in the months leading up to it, pretty solid racing. Great spectating conditions. Very good day drinking conditions <laughs> for the fans. Yeah, I got an, I got an itch right now. <laughs> oh, God. No, but it's, it's perfect conditions, it seems like. It's beautiful. Well, I think that, all right, just to touch, like, this is a party. And that's... Yeah. that's the, it's a competition. It's very important. We have to select the U.S. Olympic marathon team. But for the amount of fans that are just coming in and watching and the amount of other athletes cheering on teammates, it's the amount of brands that are here. Like It's an industry celebration of the sport, and it's a lot of fun. I got actually an email from a couple of readers who said that on Wednesday at the lap count that I convinced them to come bought a last minute ticket well i yeah i've got friends of mine from new york who looked at flights and they're doing like the get in at 7 a.m watch the race hang out for a bit and then get on like a 9 p.m flight so this is a big celebration in running like you said you know these brands are activating out here unveiling new product hoka un like unveiling the cielo x1 you've got a got pair on, on. You're going to be ripping the Lakeola segment on Strava uh, right after this. Good luck. It's yeah, like we'll 4.30 pace. Um, I, I think you can still handle it. Um, but, yeah, no. So we're here. It's the top three, kind of, I guess. We'll get into qualifying stuff. We'll head to the games in Paris. Uh, we'll di we'll dive deep into how what the road to Paris actually looks like. We'll break down the men's races and the women's races. Uh, but I guess like we'll we'll start with sort of like what's on the line and what it takes to get here because we've been sitting. I've got a column open on my laptop right now on Twitter because I think half the battle is getting to the starting line healthy. We've had a number of unfortunate scratches within the last 48 hours. 2016 Olympian Jared Ward, Susanna Sullivan, who represented the United States at the World Championships last year, Olympic bronze medalist Molly Seidel scratching and. You know, there's buzz that, that it might not be the end of uh, the scratches. So the fields are, are dwindling. So I guess Kyle and, and Eric, you guys have competed at Olympic trials. Half the battle is just getting to the starting line healthy. Yeah, I think that's like a big thing is everyone and their build up. You're taking a chance that you've probably never taken before because more is on the line than ever before. And so the athlete who gets here in one piece and is 95% at, you know, perfect health and 95 fitness probably has a much better shot than some of those who decide to take that little bit of extra risk and show up with a banged up knee and some KT tape. Yeah. And I think especially, especially with the marathon, the marathon, 
you're always, it seems like, riding that line in training where, I mean, you're just pushing your body so hard. And so it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be so tough getting to the line fully ready, fully prepared. It, 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 in my, it does seem that the athletes who are a bit under-trained in a lot of, a lot of these races are, and often it's just in headspace. You're just going to be a little bit better off than the athlete who's just been is just burned to a crisp and it's just fried. It is just the matter the amount of mental energy that you're spending on dealing with an injury. Yeah. Like now, the the big thing is it's like everyone's everyone's pretending they're okay. <laughs> I mean, we've had to change our picks multiple times this week because yeah. someone who we thought was okay now has come and dropped out of the field, and that's just because everyone's keeping the cards as close to the chest as possible. You don't want to make a big deal of it either, and you, you do want to just pretend that everything's okay, but in the last few days, the amount of people that it feels like that are dropping, it's like now we actually know who the contenders are. Eric, you joked about this kind of before we started you know, recording and going live, that it was sort of like if you were an athlete coming into this race looking at top 10, top 7, or something like that, and now you see some of these scratches, like you might be in that position where you're now sniffing fourth. How does that mentally change things like in the days leading up to the race where you're like okay now i've got a better shot at things yeah the i mean it is like everyone's kind of putting on like a poker face and and kind of bluffing if if you're not 100 percent, you're saying you're 110 (laughs) percent um so it's everyone it's 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 especially at the olympic trials it's so so much head games and mind games are, are played before the gun goes off and so the the person who is is healthiest and you know maybe isn't necessarily like the top favorite but has feels like they just have nothing to lose coming out here and and, and you know just maybe not maybe don't, they're not the favorite to make the team but it's, if you put yourself in the race and you're healthy and you've got a good mindset coming into this uh, you got you got to like those the, those odds better than anyone else's I want to go back to 2020 real quick, if we can yeah. put ourselves in that, that frame of mind. Because I think now when we're looking at athletes and we're considering the field, it's like, oh, well, like, you know, Olympian, Olympian, you know, they've done this, they've done that. Oh, this person's, you know, they're the American record holder. Of course they're going to make the team, and it's such an obvious thing. But if we turn back the clock a little bit, think back to 2020. At that, that point, you have... Alephine Tulimuk, who had only run 226.50, mm-hmm. and she ends up winning the trials. I would say when we're looking at the depth of the, the potential contenders right now, if you haven't broken 224, like we're not even looking at you that closely. But the possibility is that in less than in, in two days' time, it'll be like inobvious, and you'll have hindsight. It's 2020, it'll be, of course. We knew that they were going to win. And then someone always comes and runs the race of their life at the trials. Well, then you have, you have again, like, if we're going back to that team, you have Molly Seidel had never even run a marathon before. And Sally honestly, Diego was even a little bit of a surprise. It was, a, it, I would say, three shocks all around. Yeah. And, and when you consider the athletes that you would have expected to make it, and again, like, as we're going through our predictions and we're thinking about it, it's so, oh, of course Emily Sisson is going to make it. Of course Kira D'Amato is going to make it. Well, wouldn't you have said the same thing about Des Linden? Four years ago, wouldn't you Molly have Huddle, Molly Emily Huddle, Sisson. Emily Sisson, Jordan Hesse, Sarah Hall, Amy Craig. <laughs> like, think of that prediction show. If you would have picked Alephine, Molly, and Sally Kipiego to make it, everyone would have been like, you're crazy. You're, you're, that's <laughs> an insane wild card team. Of course, they're not going to make it. And it's the same thing on the men's side as well. 
Yeah. You go back and you think about that team. Abdi? Abdi. <laughs> like, you're no way. The dude's on, like, in a wheelchair. The dude, he's too <laughs> he's old. old. He's never going to make a team. <laughs> Another team. Um, Jake Riley. No one. The race no, of his life. Had the race of his life. Um, uh, Rupp was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Rupp's a lot. <laughs> you, you had a feeling Rupp might have made that team in 2020. But again, like. So as we're taking a look, you have no idea what's happened these last four months. Even looking at tune-up races, and we're going to obviously talk about some of those tune-up races a little bit more, you don't know what someone is doing outside of that race to give a full picture. of like, Is that really a fair evaluation of their chances on Saturday? It's also so tough to, to be like a favorite, to be expected to make this team and just feel like you've, you're you're coming to this race and you got all the pressure on you, and it's it's kind of it's like either make the team or have a horrible, you know it's it's really like either do what you're expected or you you fail, and that's that's really tough to race and have a good good mindset to race like that, especially there's so much time out there on on the course in the marathon for things to go wrong to to start feeling like this might not be your day. And for, like you said, there's always someone who's gonna have the race of their, their life, um, who just comes out of nowhere, who is no one's talking about, who has no pressure on them, who has nothing to lose and everything to gain. And those are the guys, and those are the girls that like are gonna ha- are able to show up and have the race of their life. Isn't it funny even in like just the media cycle or the couple interviews that you do or the workout that you watch that how quickly the narrative can change about an athlete? If you were making your picks a few months ago, Betsy Sena was a dark, a dark horse because yeah. people forgot. Oh, she runs for the U.S. now, you know. So uh, she ran. She wasn't on everyone's right. team. Off the didn't top run of in their a brain. U.S. marathon. She ran in Sydney and in Tokyo. And in Tokyo. Yeah. So and now we, you know. I had an opportunity to speak with her while she was training in Kenya. She's had other interviews, and it's really come out. It's like, she's in really good shape. And (laughs) people that are reminded of the fact, oh, she's a U.S. citizen. She's going to represent the U.S. now. She's on everyone's team. Like, how quickly that's changed. And I feel like another athlete on the women's side that is very similar is Gabby Rucker. If you would have asked anyone, you know, six months ago who Gabby Rucker is, no one... She's in People Magazine now. Yeah, yeah, and now, but it builds on top, and then people start looking at some of the data and the historical performances, and they're like, you know, she does have actually a really good shot. Uh, real quick, though, we, we touched on the course and kind of comparing things from, from 2020. Very different course we have on our hands. Atlanta, super windy, hilly. This time around, might be... I guess people are monitoring the dew point and a little bit of the humidity, but it's not. We have a guy monitoring the dew <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. But it, this one is a totally flat race. It starts off with a 2.2 mile, like short part, and then they go and do three eight mile loops. Um, flat favors a lot of the people who have done well in the likes of Berlin and Chicago. So it's so interesting because the marathon trials is an entertainment product like at the end of the day when we think about it i guess kyle you've maybe written about this it's not the best selector of, and, and judge of who is the best american marathoner right well that's the, i again we in the u.s do things a little bit differently than a lot of other countries that are doing a selection panel if you know you got a, a bunch of people in a room sat down and tried to look at the, the data points and the results and pick who your best three will be it's going to be such a different team than the teams that we actually look sent. at the sending order right yeah and it's because it's not about who's the best marathoner. It's the best marathoner on the day. And that's a very different mm-hmm. story. 
and who's the best marathoner on this course? And also, who's the best marathoner in February is not necessarily who's going to be the best marathoner in August, and it's not going to be who the best and marathoner was be a two years ago. Crazy hilly course in Paris too. So, two vastly different things here. As I look through this field, I mean, I, I'd be interested to know some of your thoughts on these athletes. Like, who does the faster course really? Assuming the weather holds up and it's not too hot, it'll be you know it's not forty degrees, but it, it's runnable. For, who's this track like condition really benefiting? Who would you say? I've Emily Sisson. Emily Sisson. You, you remember what the 2021 uh, US Olympic mar uh, track trials were in that 10K where she just pounded that field down. So I think like we could see, I don't think it, this race will be that aggressive. Uh, you got it, I think at that point, played a little bit more conservatively because it's a marathon, but definitely suits her. It suits the likes of Betsy Sena, who's been training in Kenya. You've seen Kira D'Amato run really well in Houston. So I think like those flat race marathon performances could be indicative of potential success here on Saturday. So I guess we, let's start with breaking down how to qualify because that is the big thing that most people have been confused about. Kyle, you've done a TikTok video in the past of how to, in, that is how to qualify for the NCAA championships in like one minute for cross country you're going to need a little bit more than one minute to explain this, but let's start explain to people how to qualify on the women's side for the U S Olympic marathon team. It's a little bit easier. The women's we'll side, you up. the women's side is relatively easy. Yeah. I mean, I think the, really the most important thing to know is that the Olympic standard is something that can be reallocated. And so as long as an individual federation has enough athletes who have qualified, then they can then decide to choose however they see best fit who to put in those slots. And ultimately, the U.S. has decided the best way to allocate those spots is a trials, a, a race off. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to race. And uh, but the, the one thing to know about the women's side, which, again, is probably not going to be a factor in order to get one of those Olympic spots, is you have to have run under 229.30. No matter what, if you ever run under 229.30, you're not going to be able to go for the most part. <laughs> like, Unless you're at 229.30 yeah. on Saturday. Um, yes, on Saturday. And the, the likelihood that the race on Saturday does not run under 229.30 for a top three finish is unlikely. So I really think for the women's side, we just boil it down to the top three go. The men's side is a little bit more complicated. Good luck. The Olympic standard is 208.10. It's quick, um, at least for American men. That's a fast time to hit. And it's... And so we've had two spots unlocked. Both uh, Connor Mance and Clayton Young have run under that 2010 standard this past fall in Chicago, but we don't have a third spot. And the top 80 athletes in May off the ranking will be able to go. And we do feel good about the U.S.'s potential of getting that third spot. Yeah. We think that it will happen. Uh, there's so many nuances to it, but for the men a little bit more importantly is that you have to have run under 211.30, mm -hmm. similar to the women that they had to run under 229.30. There's not as many men. There's, I believe, 17 guys in the field who have done that. And so, in theory, if you have not run under 211.30 and you don't plan on doing on Saturday, you're not going. Yeah. So that's why you've seen the likes of Paul Chalimo and his coach telling the media, like, oh, they're going for the 208 race. To lock up because the then you're depending if yeah. if if you were waiting if so if no one runs under two hundred eight ten then we're waiting to see 
if that ranking pans out on May 5th, if the U.S. gets someone in the top 80, and then that can be reallocated. However, if you just <laughs> run under 208.10, then you're good to go and you can celebrate. And you don't have to feel weird. If the top three are under 208.10, then we're good. We're good. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that the course being fast and the conditions being good, I, you got to assume that we have three guys under 211.30 no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I it's mean, especially if they're shooting for 208, um, they can still come up a little bit short and run under 211. Yeah. It seems like a lot was made of it, and I, I think, because it's been all we've, we've spoken about the last year, I feel like, is the <laughs> standard and the trials start time and the course, and I bet it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> like, that's yeah. my prediction. It's going to shake out. Top three end up going. Right. We'll run through specific scenarios as we touch on several athletes in case people need the qualifiers of just like, okay, so how does this person exactly get there if they're not in the top two? That's so. a problem that we're going to worry about if, like... We will be on our watch-along on Saturday explaining to you in real time. If we see someone pulling away, we'll explain that. So that's why you should tune into our watch-along on Saturday morning. But ultimately, again, like, if you're not one of those guys who've run under 211.30, you can't dawdle. Like, you got to no. go for it. And I think because of that, everyone's going to go. And especially someone like Paul Chalimo. And, Eric, you have a good history with Paul Chalimo. Is he fair to call, like, the ultimate X factor in the way that this race might play out? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the X Factor. First off, incredibly talented. He's a gamer in championship races. Um, but if, if he's going to set, the, if he's going to kind of call his shot and say, hey, I'm going for 208 pace, um, he's not someone that you can just let go um, and say, there's no way he can do that, no way he can hold that pace. We're going to let him go and, and hope that he comes back because he might be, honestly, just able to run 208. So <laughs> you, we, you don't really know, and you can't, and I, I, I know that the field's not going to, um, the field's not taking him lightly, and they're not going to underestimate him. See, that's the thing. It's like, as we kind of start now in, in discussing, we'll, we'll start with the men's race. Um, Paul Chalimo has the chance to ruin a lot of people's day. And I think, like, Connor Mance is the type of guy who would go with a move like that. There's going to be so many early decisions that are going to be pivotal, p pivotal to things because it's like uh, you, you kind of made a comment before we started recording where it's like in 2020 you see random guys who just got in off of a half marathon qualifier who have no shot. If those guys go out, like, this is their moment to get the TV time and all that stuff. The, the pros, the real ones, know that that's not a real move. They're going to come back. It's fine. But Paul Chalimo's not one of those guys. Crazy other thought, C.J. Albertson going with him. Like, this is this is where it starts to get crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's a chess match out there. Like, And it's a matter of does the field respect. And also, does the field necessarily go for the win, or are you going for top three? And I think that's a big factor in the way that a lot of these athletes are probably going to approach things because – Look, if you're going to try to win, then maybe take the, the bait and run with a, a rabbit out there. But if you're just trying to finish in the top three, then I do think you hang out. You're a little bit more conservative that first half, and you let things play out. We were saying earlier that if there's someone in the bottom half of the field ranking-wise who says, you know, I just want to be a top ten finisher today, and they run that way, they're going to end up fifth. <laughs> there's going to be so much attrition because everyone is going to be sticking with the top three, and it's just who can hold on the longest. The trials historically has played out a little bit differently than a lot of majors in the sense of like, it really is just like you grind it down until there's a few, as opposed to people coming back 
out of the you know the depths of hell and reappearing in that that position. So um, I Eric, think you got to you got to run yeah. to win though. I mean, it's hard opinion. it's hard to see Chalimo going out at let's say sixty four pace and him and people not going with him. Um, I I just don't see. I feel like there's gonna there's gonna be a hand there's there's got to be guys that think that they can they can maybe not hold, like hold it quite like that but there he's not going to be alone well it could I, be a team effort we saw yes, this in 2020 exactly, yeah. the u.s army guys running together and in, in this case it could be the likes of shadrach kipchirch here uh sam chalenga going with them so like there might be that contingent up in the front let's touch on some major players by name here the two guys who unlocked the spots for america connor manson clayton young at the chicago marathon not guaranteed spots even after running that fast in chicago imagine opening up a slot for someone else <laughs> for them to only then just beat you i mean the the idea that you could beat connor mance this this is like a real scenario <laughs> that you could beat connor mance and connor mance could finish third and not go right if the two guys before him have run under 211 30 Think about like well, Mance's ranking is high enough that it, by it May he'll probably it out. work out. Yeah. yeah, again, but imagine that scenario. Or <laughs> <laughs> it's and so there there are some really screwed up scenarios in which it happens. But Mance and Young, I think we're going to see some serious team tactics out of them. Well, Sam Chalenga's been training with them too, so he might join that crew. And it's just like a comfort of having run with someone so many times, but also they've raced together. But I do really like the difference between Connor and Clayton. It's almost like a personality test of who you're rooting for. Are you rooting for the bulldog, Connor Mance, who, like, just goes for it? You, coach tells him a pace, he ignores it. He's running off field, and then Clayton is so much more calm and measured. You he called him a Vishla, right? No, not a Vishla. Yeah. I think I called him a golden retriever. I think it was Vishla. That might have been a, a Snyder very, edit. Very yeah. A Vishla. Yeah, that works. It's fast. Uh, but so they're, they're very different personalities in the way that they run that shines through. And even though, you know, even Clayton admits Connor's been winning workouts, but you, you, it's not about winning workouts, it's about winning races. Yeah. And I think Clayton actually has a very fair shot, especially in the scenario where you do have wild cards who will be taking this out. Yeah, I, I, it's. I mean, Mance is is definitely, as far as just fitness goes, the the top guy right now. Um, he's on fire. He is consistent. He's always um, racing really hard. You, if you see Connor Mance on the line, you know it's going to be a hard race for you. Every every race he's in, whether it's cross country championships at, at NCAA's, he's pushing the pace. He's out. He's grinding it out. He like he's not a conventional like you wa watch. You're going to see Paul Chalimo's stride, argu arguably one of the best strides in the game, <laughs> versus Connor Mance, arguably not a great stride. And uh, you got to say Connor Mance is probably going to take that. For, in, in my opinion, you'd, I'd say probably Connor Mance over Paul Chalimo at this point. He's just he's just the top top guy right now. So he's got a full head of steam coming in. And Clayton Young is is in a fantastic position where he trains with him every day, day in day out, the hard workouts. He knows what it's like to run alongside him. And so when you see that, when you see your teammate on the start line, it's it just is so much easier mentally to to kind of settle into to. to to race pace and, and that type of thing. Don't you love that about the marathon? Like on the track, you watch someone stride and you're like, it, the odds of having a beautiful stride in the 1500 and it converting to like automatically being the best is pretty good. Like it, it lines up. The, the, the roads is not a beauty contest. Like no. 
No, and that's what's, I mean, that's what's amazing about it. It's, like, it's, it really is, it's, races aren't won on paper, and you actually have to go out and do it, and nobody does it um, like Connor Mance at this point right now. Are you guys at any, is any part of you concerned about the stress reaction in his femur, I think, that happened in November? No, because, and I'll tell you why, because on Strava, I saw him run, like, a 62-minute half marathon. With, with, uh, like, a month ago. You know, and so he's fine, and the workouts are fine. So um, I think had we known that, and you know, prior to seeing everything, he might have come out of top threes. But he's he's fit, and the thing that I do like about Connor too is he runs well in all these races, and then is like not that happy after. Like well, because he knows he wants to be up there in the two hundred five sort of range that like, or even like faster than that. Because it's like all right, eighth place in in two hundred eight. He's, yeah, he's not that moved. He, I, I like that about Connor as an athlete. This is this is how I'm selecting my team is who is going to be the best ones at the Olympics. Yeah. That's who we want. Like, yes, we want the, the amazing story, want that big upset, but not if you're not going to perform in Paris. And Connor's a good example of someone who, if you're running 207 and kind of upset about it, then I like your odds of eventually running 204. And so when I'm thinking of who do I want to be on the team, I'm thinking of guys who have that potential. I'm thinking of ladies who've been there before. And that's ultimately, this is the stress test. We want that good media. We want that good story. But, like, we want that good team. Yeah. No, we do. Um, All right. So Clayton Young and Connor Mance, the top two seeds coming into this one. We can't talk, uh, like ignore the defending champion coming into this, trying to make his fifth fifth Olympic team. Right? Uh, we've had we have someone here who spent many workout sessions with him. Eric, I'll toss it over to you to explain why people shouldn't be sleeping on Galen Rupp here, despite a little bit of a hiccup. I, I guess not even like at the Houston half marathon. Where where where's your level at in terms of your confidence in Galen? Pretty pretty high. <laughs> I mean, this is the Olympic marathon trials. Galen's two for two with these. I mean, you can't if you're counting him out. You're just you're crazy. Um, is he the same athlete that he was in 2016, 2020 when he won those? No, he's probably not. Um, he's older. Um, he's probably not in quite the same fitness as he as he was back then when he, you know, he ended up getting a bronze in Rio. But he's. Even though Connor, fitness-wise, has the fastest time, mentally, Galen is still probably the top dog out there. Galen is, it's just a whole different race. This isn't a time trial. This is the Olympic trials. It's a whole different race, a whole different type of pressure on on everyone out there. And Galen handles that pressure better than anybody. He's a great white shark out there. When you're on the start line with Galen... He's he's sad on the starting line. He's very intimidating. (laughs) He's an intimidating guy. These guys probably looked up to Galen for for a while, for their whole careers. Now they're racing against him. Probably going to get beat by him again. Um... (laughs) He's if you he if you're counting him out, it's it's just it's really not smart. Um, I love the idea of like everyone being really intimidated by Galen because I think if you saw him just walking down the street, he's not super intimidating. <laughs> but if you see him on a start line, like you're scared. You're scared. What was he like in workouts? Scary. <laughs> <laughs> no, Galen was one is one of these guys that you know I was I was there on the team with him when in 2016 he kind of switched from from the track 
to the marathon. I think at that point it was, you know, he ran the marathon and then came back and did indoors. Um, he's just a whole different animal. He's a, uh, in workouts, he's, he, he was tough to keep up with. Um, you know, he was, the prescribed pace was, was kind of just a suggestion. He's going to do whatever he wants out there. Um, and he's, 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 just gonna, he's going to show up on Saturday. He's like, like, like Central was in the 15. That Galen in, in the Olympic races, it's just going to be, he's, he's for sure the favorite. I guess, what type of race best suits Galen on Saturday, Kyle? Because it's like, yeah. all right, the Chalimo move happens. Like, we're throwing that out. It could be C.J. Albertson. It could be whoever. There's going to be someone who is in that 211 range who's going to go for it. What is Galen doing in that situation? Because we've seen him at World Majors, like the New York City Marathon, where he's not afraid to go with Ashura Katata, guys with 204 personal best, and then, you know, over the last couple of years has dealt with injuries where it comes up 16 miles into the race. If he would have taken a little bit more of a conservative approach, maybe he would have been able to finish the race in a 208 or, or something like that. But I don't, that's not Galen. He's always going to try and compete with the top dogs. So it's like the level of competition, I, a little bit lower here. Yeah, I mean, Galen's best race on Saturday will be the one that's a marathon. Because these are guys that are going up against someone who has done multiple times the things that they are dreaming of doing. They're on the starting line, and this will make their career if it's something that if they can finish in the top three. Galen has ascended the mountaintop on multiple occasions, and so he knows what it's like up there. I think that Galen either wins or he doesn't finish, and I don't see anything in between. Okay. After that, we've got sort of a bubble of dark horse contenders. Scott Fobble being our fan favorite, Sidious Mag family, uh, former podcaster for us. Uh, he's in that, that category where it's sort of like he went to Berlin, tried to run under 208, made it to 30K, struggled with some stomach issues, dropped out. So he doesn't have that shiny, new, flashy personal best, but he has run 208 in Boston. And when I spoke with him for a full episode of the podcast, I just love his confidence right now. Yeah, I actually want to take some personal responsibility for the reason why he went to Berlin because I, <laughs> I was talking to him uh, like a couple, uh, a little bit before that, I think in the spring, and I was like, "Yeah, dude, like you haven't run under two eleven thirty on a course that counts," and he didn't realize. I was like, "You need to look into this. I think you want to go run under that two eleven thirty ahead of the trials." Um, I at the time was actually trying to convince him to run worlds because I think. We should always send our best guys to Worlds, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> that's a different thing. Um, but I, I was like, you should really go and try and run under 211.30. You'll feel a lot better about going to the trials. And he got in really good shape ahead of Berlin. Didn't work out, obviously. Um, but I think Scott, you know, we're talking about guys who really would have thrived on a harder course and talking about guys that we'd want to make the team. When looking ahead, Scott is a guy that I want in Paris. Yeah. Like, he is a, a very historically strong runner on the Bostons and the New Yorks. Top I, American in Boston last year. I, I think, you know, he's he's been good on the track before. He was fourth at the trials in the 10K before. So it's like, obviously, he can compete on a fast, flat course. But historically, in the marathon, he has really thrived on hillier courses. And so um, 
for him, I, I think that the, the challenge will be just like playing into the chess match a little bit. Uh, you know, he's running majors that don't have rabbits, and I think that's a big advantage for him. I think uh, he'll feel really calm in a, a giant pack of guys looking around and waiting to see who's going to do what rather than, you know, guys in the footlocker referee uniform telling you, like, this is 203 pace, let's go. So are there any other guys sort of in that, uh, like, I'm thinking of a Zach Panning that are in sort of like that dark horse bubble for you, uh, Eric? I mean, yeah, the... Zach Panning's come on strong really His well Strava recently. Strava is very impressive. Great Strava. What do we think of posting on Strava? A, a quick sidebar. Like, the months leading into the biggest race of your life, are you posting on Strava what you've been doing? I was never, I was never a Strava guy. Um, it seems like most people are Strava people <laughs> now, which it kind of surprises me. It kind of surprises me that everyone's just kind of laying their workouts out <laughs> right out. And well, it's also like if you're a pro, it's like try and do it. Right? Like, if it, the average people are watching. Yeah, but at the same time. It's like, don't try this at home. Sort for, of yeah, for sure. But then you, you, you definitely <laughs> get to a point with a lot of people where you're going to leave your race on the work on the workout mm. track. If, you, if you're just giving, if you're hitting a home run every single workout, the, a lot of times you're going to get up to the plate on race day and it's just going to be like a single or a double. I mean, it's easy. To, I, I know that's happened with me plenty of times in my career. Like, it's easy to to train too hard, especially when you're at these in the marathon where it's kind of more of a typical, like long build up, maybe one race before and then go for it. It's probably, it's easier to maybe to go a step too far. Well, so I was uh, talking with Natasha Rogers last week for the lap count. And she was saying that seeing athletes like Kira D'Amato openly posting her workouts, which are incredible. I mean, really really fast workouts all the time on strava kind of gets in like it could get in your head a little bit because oh, yeah. you're supposed to line up and race this person but you're seeing what they're doing and thinking like i can't do that <laughs> how am i supposed to beat them on race day if that's what I, it's gonna take but what you're doing in practice is very different than what you're doing on race day and for an athlete like natasha who says i'm a different athlete once the gun goes off i do think that you know, it's it's a completely different game, and I think posting your workouts publicly is great when it's going well. The problem is when it's not going well. Well, let me connect these two thoughts here because it's sort of we were we were touching on Zach Panning. You did the interview with him for the lap count, and then all of a sudden, people were overanalyzing that marathon simulation workout of his, saying that oh, did he leave the the marathon in that workout? What did you make of the whole thing? I mean, it's ridiculous to suggest that he did 16 miles at 447 pace, like, you know, many weeks before the trials. Meanwhile, like that same weekend, guys are running all out in the Houston half. And it's like, you really think those three extra miles a little bit slower is going to be like the, the make or break? Um, and so, you know, that's one of the reasons why you maybe don't want to share everything is because then you have to listen to the noise. Depending on who you are, maybe you take a lot of motivation from that. He then did a week later, two by six miles, I think at like 441 pace, and was like, I think he made a joke about how he left <laughs> everything in the simulator the week before. <laughs> Clearly not. Um, what are you looking for in panning? Because he hasn't run up in the front of races. I think that's like the big variable with him. Yeah, like if you look at Zach, 
he did hasn't well. finished in the top three of a lot of races in his career, at least since, you know, did well at Grand Valley State. Not top three. Yeah, and so, you know, winning is a habit. It's something that the more you do, the better you're going to be at it. The more familiar you are, um, you get in that mindset of knowing how to do it and that expectation. And I think for him, historically, he hasn't done that. And that's going to be the big unlock for him. Uh, I do think that he's super fit. His workouts do look amazing. He's roaring with confidence. I got off the phone with him. I was like, Jesus, this guy's going to make the team. Um, so he convinced me. And so he must have convinced himself as well. And guys like CJ Albertson, you know, he's another one. Like you look at his training. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always rooting for the guys that are kind of unconventional and do things, you know, like he ran, you know, two marathons in back to back weeks. No one does that. <laughs> you know, a coach would say, Hey, probably don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't try reason, this at home. There's a reason why people don't do it, yeah. but you know, he's, he definitely trains differently and he's a bit more unconventional than the standard guys. And which is great. I love seeing that. The with, infrared like, lights and yeah. his little, uh, Peloton. All that. Yeah. He's, a, he's like a mad scientist. And I, I like seeing guys like that. I'm rooting for him. I hope, I hope he does well. I, I just, you wonder if those two marathons, you got to think they probably took something out. Of well, so I would look at again, like analyzing this, the Strava and the training, and Mac had a completely different take on this than I did because I saw him do back-to-back -back marathons and then he hasn't had that long of a build-up since and he hasn't been pushing his mileage as crazy as he historically has and his workouts have been good but they're not like insane and I took that as like hey maybe you shouldn't have done two marathons back-to-back -back. you know, like it doesn't look like you got as big of a block as maybe you would have otherwise and Mac's perspective was look if you give this guy 12 weeks to just train, he's going to run himself into the ground. <laughs> Instead, he's saving a little bit actually for the race rather than, um, you know, running 150 miles a week and like living in a sauna. One more dark horse contender here at the Sidious Cafe presented by Hoka. Footsom Zenisolasi, we had the chance to go and feature him for a Humans of Hoka film, which you can watch on the Hoka YouTube channel. Really well done. Uh, He's run 209.40, I believe. Uh, someone who hasn't really popped on people's radars as much, but from the workout video that we posted this morning, he's fit. He looks so good in that workout video. He, yeah, I mean, talking and just really. Um, Futsum, this is why I think Futsum is a dark horse. At CIM, his debut, he runs 211.01. And it's not about the time. It's the fact that he came out and he won his first marathon. And the way he did it was very much as a race. From 35K to 40K, he ran 14.58 to drop the field. And I think that the ability, and he did this again in Rotterdam mm -hmm. when he ran 209.40. He saved something for the end and has very good closes. Even, you know, in Rotterdam, you know, the winner, I think, is running 203, 204. Futsum still finds a kick. And I think having that final gear and saving that little something is indicative of a racer and in a big moment like the olympic trials when you still have a pack of four or five with five ten k left knowing that he has historically always had that close sets him up really well and so i like footsum for this not only because i watched a workout video and he looked really smooth but just looking at the splits of his past marathons i think it shapes up well for a real race yeah, foot, foot some you've got to put him up there. There's a lot of guys that could just come out of out of the out of the woodworks to to be big dark horses. Um, you know, Sam Chalanga, 
Um, Elkanah Cabet. Elkanah Cabet. I mean, that guy's made teams before. He's been the top American at, at world championships and world majors before. Like, we haven't even mentioned him. There's a lot of those guys that you just don't know because you, you don't see them. You're not able to see how fit they are with all these tests and, and, pre, and races before the marathon. So these guys are... are, are Definitely have the a real shot not to just make the team. They could win. They could win these races. There's, yeah. there's one guy, and Chris, I, I can let you talk to him a little bit more. But there's one guy that might win this thing, and then everyone be like, "Who?" And it's Tishomi McKinnon. Oh yeah, he was. Uh, he just signed with On uh, back a couple weeks ago, but he's been training in Ethiopia. Uh, is been being coached by Heron Lagat. Uh, out and spending, he spent some time in Colorado Springs, but he was the top American at the Berlin Marathon. After even before Scott dropped out, Tashomi McConan was way ahead of uh, was way ahead of him because he went out in 62, 63? 62. 62 for the first half. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, and at that, his PR is two ten, and. It came from the Berlin Marathon, a really rough second half when you go out that hard. But uh, on taking a big bet, signing him, and he's been training well, is what I've heard. And, and he's going to be like that head scratcher. He's run 60 minutes for the half marathon. Hasn't totally put it together for a marathon. But again, like when he goes out to Berlin and he's going up in that lead pack with the top Ethiopians and Kenyans, this is a little bit of a step down. So if he can exercise that patience, stay with the likes of Galen, I think that's the, the smart way that he can approach this race. He's looking around. He's like, this is it? This is it? I only got to beat a bunch of 209 guys? <laughs> yeah, these guys are scrubs. <laughs> I thought I was racing 203 guys. Yeah. Like, yeah, so I, I again, like you see the times, but it's how did people do it? Where the What are the courses? Who did they beat in the process to get there? That when you dive in a little bit deeper, the field really does start to open up and you see who the real contenders are. To wrap a bow on the men, yeah. it is so much more wide open than the women's race, mm -hmm. which is... Like, I, I, I feel like we're going to get through this. We can go back and rewatch it on Sunday and we're like, oh man, we didn't pick Bia Simbasa who finished third uh, and made the team. Like, I've heard so good things. I've heard yeah. good things. Yeah. And Bia just ran uh, 60, 40 in Houston was fourth. Yeah. And so it's like, there's, there's a couple people who like, maybe we didn't name and it's like, it's going to come back to bite us. But then it's also why we have a final prediction show tomorrow where it's like, all right, we're going to be going out for a jog. We're going to see who's around, who looks good. And we might, our picks may change. We're going to give our picks at the end of this show. But let's shift over to the women's side. The unfortunate big news this morning, Molly Seidel has scratched. So the Olympic bronze medalist will not be towing the starting line. Uh, the 2020 third place finisher, Sally Kipiego, has not raced since 2022. So this is looking like it's going to be a fresh team. The U.S. women's marathoning scene has just kind of leveled up over the last couple of years. The American record has fallen twice with Kira in the last Olympic cycle with Kira D'Amato and then Emily Sisson. They enter as the top two seeds, but Betsy Sena was the fastest woman last year. Because of some of these scratches, I think we have more of a category of like six women who have who are in that upper echelon of women's marathoning. But again, we could see some surprises. So how are you sizing up the field uh, we'll start with Kyle. I think that th there's a few athletes that 
I'd say there's really two or three athletes that are probably in 90% of people's top three. And I, I would put that as Emily Sisson. The American record The American holder. record holder. Kira D'Amato. The former American. The former American record holder. Now that Molly has dropped, I think the field opens up a little bit. And I think um, Betsy Sena. I think if you're looking at, like, who are the top three that are going to be in the most people's top three, it's them. Like, that is uh, – that is if those are your top three, you are the least creative person. Yeah. Because you just are picking the three favorites. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means you're not creative. And well, you think life is simple and predictable. I mean, yeah, if you're just going by time, they have minutes on. Yeah. The, it's not like it's their favorites by, a cup, by you know, 10 seconds. They, it's like Emily Sisson has, has like three minutes, four minutes on like four, five, six. I mean, yeah. they're just heavy. They're heavy favorites. It's just like picking the one seed in the final four when you're yeah, filling out yeah, a March Madness yeah. bracket. It's just, a, it's just a safe bet. But, but this it, is why I go back to 2020, and you could have said that about so many, like who the team ended up being and the actual team are two completely different teams. Like, And so while it seems so obvious, and it, look, if you, if you come out and you're like, all right, my team is uh, Nell Rojas, Saravon, Dakota Linworm, you'd be like, what? That's your team? But that's what happened in 2020. That was like, you know, so let's just be kind to the people who are not picking Emily Sisson and Kira D'Amato and Betsy Santa for their team because the odds are that they might be right. Yeah. All right. So let's start with those top contenders. Emily Sisson, we said... 2020, she she dropped out of that race, unfortunate. But ever since then, I think like she's found that consistency on the roads in both the half marathon and full marathon distance. Last year, even with the side stitch in Chicago, still runs really well. Uh, so I think like she's got more room for error than most people. I think that run in Chicago is very important because it showed that even when not at 100% that she can still be better than the rest. And I think to Eric's point, that's the benefit of being yeah. four or five minutes better than the four or five, six athletes. And I do think that for Emily, she, I, I know that we were kind of saying this uh, about the men, but it's like, look, if you're only going out and trying to run top three, if, that, if she just says, I'm, I just, I'm not trying to win, I'm not trying to break an American record, I'm not trying to do anything crazy, I'm just going to sit in fourth and out kick third, I don't see how she wouldn't make the team. I think the ultimate error that maybe she would make is if she ran too aggressively or got caught up in someone else running too aggressively. But if she just runs a conservative race and just says, I just want to make sure I'm in Paris... It just seems like a lock. Who's that, con who's that person? Because on the men's side, it's so obvious just based off people's racing styles with the CJ and Paul Chalimo. But on the women's side, it's like it's less like it, it, it's not as common that we look at someone and we're like, oh, that person always guns it to the front. I mean, it, it, Sisson has done that in the past. I mean, I think about it, I, the track trials. The track trials. Every road trial. Every road trip. Yeah. She's, I mean, I think about Eugene in the heat, that 10K, when she just... That's my dropped. Roman Empire. It's unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was an that's an unbelievable race. Um, so she could... And when you are that much better than the field, five, four or five minutes better than... than so most, it's her. Most of these people. You've just got so much more room for error, so much more room to go out there and just do your race and... But she shouldn't. But she probably shouldn't. You should... I mean... <laughs> like Ray the, Tracy, if you're watching, yeah. <laughs> Ray, please. <laughs> I mean, but 
there's other athletes, you know, you know, who knows what Kier's plan is. Um, Betsy Sena. I mean, they could all just run the three of them work together and just go out and do their thing and, 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 and lock up the team that way. Yeah. I kind of don't want that to be the case where it's sort of like they run off and there's a huge gap and that's, that's the race we're watching at that point. Like I do want some dramatics to play out, but it could end up being that Kyle, you've been obsessing over and I think you probably have Kira marked as a favorite on Strava and you've been tapping into all of her workouts. What's impressed you there? The thing that I've been really impressed by Kira and one of the main reasons why if she ends up winning or making the team, I think is the reason for it is that she's not racing as much this year. And you look back at 2022 and a lot of 2023, Kira loves racing. She's always racing. And that's great. 2022, four marathons. You make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that is clear this time around is that her training is so much more intentionally built into just the calendar for this race. And because of that, it's been um, less chaotic, if, if that's fair to say. It's not like you're trying to get ready for a race. You recover quick. You get ready for another race. It, it, it's just so much more intentional and i think because of that she's been able to build up very smoothly is healthy and look if there's a knock against kira and why you maybe wouldn't pick her is because at worlds she was suffering some hip flexor issues and um you know didn't have the best day 17th at worlds i wish that was my worst day but <laughs> you know th that's maybe one concern and the heat there was crazy <laughs> yeah and so i think for kira you know ultimately I just hope that, similar to Emily, it's like, just don't try to win it in the first half. Just stay calm. Let someone else do it. When I think about potential wild cards in the field, I think of someone like Nell. Nell's bold and brave. She's done it before, which she's not scared to run with the lead pack. Um, I could see her being one to push the pace. I think, uh, you know, again, like, normally she's probably a little bit, I think of her as someone who runs really well on the hills. Um, Boston, but, yeah. Then you know you have these half marathon athletes like uh, Natasha Rogers, Fiona Keefe coming off of tr the track. So Maybe they don't even know what pace they're supposed to run. They just start going too quick. Yeah. Important quick caveat here: qualifying wise, they have to run under two twenty nine. They do, so they're not going to let it sit. Yep. I mean, if it was my first ever marathon, I'm probably yeah. not taking the lead. There's also you see a lot of you see a lot of track athletes when it's their first marathon come in with you know a sense of like naivete that kind of benefits them, like. Like it's almost like they don't quite know how brutal it is for, of, of the distance, and it kind of works to their advantage. It's like, I mean, G Galen might be a bit of, is is just kind of a different athlete, but 2016, you know, that was his first marathon. You see, like these uh, these track athletes kind of show up their first time around and, and knock it out of the park. Maybe that could be the case for Natasha Rogers. She's made teams before. I mean, be, have like have being able to make teams is. Mentally, that's, that plays an advantage to you. Yeah, you've had this theory that you've harped on with the marathon about just like how the track athletes are going to tra uh, translate really well. That's why the times are getting faster at the front end of the races. Yeah. Do you think Natasha fits an American? Like, I, I'm, we're all waiting for Alicia Monson to eventually run a half marathon, or at least Cranny to run that distance. We see Wayne break the half marathon American record on her first try. Natasha taking to the marathon is the timing of this right. Yeah, I, I think 
my theory for the most part is at this point athletes are running so fast in the marathon because the shoes because of the shoes and just getting better at running that the pace is now so quick that in order to be able to you know casually run 515s in a marathon you have to have at some point been able to run quick on the track and so when i think of athletes who have real long-term potential this is why you know not american but it's like hey like the time like the faith kibiegans get on the roads like that's when uh, we're seeing with Stefan hassan that's when the times are really going to come down because they have so much foot speed that to them five flat pace isn't quick and so from an american perspective you see emily sisson like you know she's run uh the olympic 10k before you think of betsy Sena. she was fifth sixth at the 2016 olympics Six, yeah. she's run 3007 and so like you know she can handle a really quick pace um and I, I do think that that's a big differentiator of long-term potential here. And that's why someone like Fiona and Natasha, if not this weekend, eventually will have some success at the distance is because, look, if you're making teams, if you're Natasha and you're making a 5K team and out kicking, you know, some of the women that you've done the last few years, then this pace is nothing. Like, it's going to feel like a jog mm -hmm. in the beginning. It used to also be you know you you kind of finish up your time on the track and when when you've basically been you're you lost you're some 35 speed, and yeah, then you, you move <laughs> up to the marathon yeah but like like safan hassan like you're prove like it's kind of switching up the format where you can be good at track run a marathon and not be done with the track and i think it it, it might even be to that, that advantage somehow like where you're not just where you still got the foot speed to compete on the track in the shorter distances like Connor mance i mean you wouldn't count you wouldn't count Connor Mance out of any American 10k um, and I'm sure he you know he probably might even be at that in, in the, t the 10k later on this summer at the trials so I think it, it helps tremendously to be able to compete at the shorter distances move up move down like you're so fluid in training and racing that it, it, everything kind of benefits you yeah all right so let's we, we've touched on D'Amato and Sisson the third big favorite right now is Betsy Sena. Been training in Kenya. I got the chance to visit her in, in E10 la, uh, last summer, and that's when she first told me, I was like, yeah, I'm training with Joycelyn Jipka's guy. And I was like, the former half marathon world record holder? And she was like, yeah. And jo Joycelyn's someone who has won the New York City Marathon. It's all about the company you keep. Like, if she's hanging in workouts with her, that's like, she's in 217 companies. So, like, I think down the road, Two, 220 is something that I don't think the likes of Betsy Sainer is scared of. Betsy, actually, at the time when, when I saw her in Kenya, was planning to run the Chicago Marathon. There was a lot of controversy later on about, like, why she didn't get into that race. It was, you know, she ran 221 in Tokyo, didn't get into, somehow didn't get into Chicago, or the elite athlete coordinator and all that stuff didn't work out. So she ends up having to go to Sydney, not a flat, fast race. So this, she was talking about chasing potentially the American record. So while we had Sisson and Emma Bates very publicly talking about it, Bessie Sainz is working in the shadows as well to try and get in that 218 range. So I think... We could see something like that out of her. Maybe not this Saturday, but down the road for sure. Well, I, I said this 
before and I'll say it again. If someone in this field is going to run 215 in their career, it's Betsy Zena. Like, just, again, like, the company you keep, if, and if she's working out with a 217 person, yeah. Historically, she's shown that she's talented enough to do it. Um, you know, she, if you were wondering where she was for a few years, you know, she's a mother. Yeah. And uh, coming off that, though, has only gotten better and better each race. And... Now, I just think it's set up really well. Uh, I really like that she went to Sydney very intentionally to get ready for a warmer race. And again, like, we don't know if this is going to be warm. But um, I like the mindset. And again, like, the winning is a habit. She goes down and she wins a race. That's what that I always think of track as you, you compare it to boxing, where you kind of want to, like, beat a few people up and, like, move your way up and get yeah. that ego up. And then when you're. Because the big yeah. dogs, your ego, you can't be contained. You want momentum. I yeah. mean, like, like building momentum, especially to this to this race. It's the it's the biggest race of the year. It's bigger than the than for most for most athletes. This is bigger than the actual Olympics. It's harder to get. Like once you make the Olympics, it's like oh, that's the icing on the cake. That's 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 the celebration. This is where you're the the race you're actually really really nervous for. And so to be able to go into it like 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 Betsy's doing with momentum, with a, with a win under your belt, with your confidence sky high, that makes a world of difference. Yeah. All right. So those are the three top favorites. We touched on the impact of. Natasha Rogers and Fiona O'Keefe potentially mixing things up as the debutantes in this race. Who are some sleeper picks here in the women's category? I'm thinking the likes of a Lindsay Flanagan, who was the top American at the World Championships in Budapest. We've Des Linden is returning once again, has made the last two Olympic marathon or two of the last three Olympic marathon teams. Well, we haven't s- talked about Sarah Hall. Yeah, Sarah Hall. <laughs> Sarah Hall. Sarah Hall. This is an incredible We've got set. NAZ Elite as well. Sarah Hall has broken 223 on five occasions. <laughs> yep. No one else in this field has done that. Her eighth Olympic Her trials. eighth Olympic trials between the track and the marathon. And I, I would say a benefit for her is that this is a flat uh, – a flat, faster course. You know, she definitely has a track background. And uh, I think a red flag was dropping out of Houston. And But not know, the biggest red flag. And then I think afterwards we heard from multiple sources that it was really she's being overly cautious about it. And so when I first saw it, I was like, oh, God, here we go again. Like, you know, not an injury because a couple of years ago she was absolutely flying it. And apparently she, it wasn't a big deal. She's fine. She's ready to go. And as the field has just started to narrow a little bit, I feel better and better about Sarah. I think similar to, like, I, I don't know if three months ago if I was really giving her a, a fair shot at top three. And I think in the last few days I have, like, really talked myself into it. And maybe it's just because I know <laughs> how sweet it would be for her to make it on her eighth attempt i know she's kind of like posted this is it this is yeah i just hope it's i get nervous because there's two ways to react to like really caring a lot about something Mm -hmm. and in a marathon you have to not care until like 20 miles (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, you can i mean when you're running with a lot of emotion out there expect like it's so long if you're if you're really fired up and you get that big adrenaline dump like right off the bat that's probably not you want to be going to sleep out there for as long as possible until the race really starts in the last 10K or something. But Sarah Hall, she, I mean, when you've run as consistently fast as she has, 
I mean, you, you, it's foolish to just to counter out. Yeah. So on her record, I guess like the best races she's run, Marathon Project for sure, London Marathon, flat races. So she's she's hoping for a good one here. And she's similar to Kira as well, in which it's like, oh, she races a lot. Yeah. And now has been able to really focus on just one race in the calendar and build up with all the intention towards this one race. And, you know, it's just about timing. Before, when we talked about track athletes making the switch over to the marathon, we have another person making their debut, hometown hero, Jenny Simpson. What do you make of Jenny Simpson entering the race? Like, it's, it's tough because it's like, this is your first one, not the youngest athlete either so it's like there's a couple factors here where it's like this is a tough stage to try and make her debut and i think like if i go back a couple months like it didn't sound like the plan was to debut here and maybe there could have like the hope was to get another rep in with an actual full beforehand but i guess the schedule didn't shake out that way she's been on the roads twice i nothing has screamed to me she's gonna be a top contender to make this team Jenny Simpson is the most accomplished athlete in this field. Let's just say that. Like, she's the most. She's the only world champion. Yeah. I don't see it. Like, <laughs> I, I just, I don't think. Like, her her half marathon wasn't super indicative that going even longer would be an improvement. And um, hey, we welcome the old, like old takes exposed clip. Like that, that this might be like if. Yeah, if like <laughs> prove me wrong again. Like most accomplished athlete in the field. Um, I don't think she, whereas we've heard from Coach Alistair Craig that, like, Natasha Rogers and Fiona Keefe, they are natural marathoners. They are born for it. I think it's hard at this point in her career, given her success as a middle distance runner, to be like, Jenny Simpson's a natural born <laughs> marathoner. Like, she's clearly a natural born 1500 runner. So um, for her to come out and do first one, I, I hope, especially in her hometown, that this is a celebration of her career. Um, because it's been but not a farewell. But not a farewell, because I, I think she should just drop down and make the 5K team. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if this was the fifth half mile, you'd say, <laughs> yeah, she's probably a favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, like you just said, you hope it's it's just a celebration of her career. I mean, unbelievably accomplished, winning 1,500 world championships is something you might not see from Americans. So, I mean, is she going to be a factor in, in the mer- tomorrow in, or on Saturday? I mean, I, I wouldn't put my money on it, but, <laughs> you know, would love to love to see her do well. All right, so I'm going to rattle off some names from the Dark Horse category, and you're going to tell me who really jumps out to you from this list. So I mentioned Lindsey Flanagan before. Not a Dark Horse. Lin- Nell Rojas. <laughs> Susanna Sullivan has scratched. Dakota Lindworm. Gabby Rooker. Gabby Rooker getting a lot of press in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, Gabby Rooker's... We have a Q&A up on SidiousMag.com with her. Her progression is unbelievable. When you think about in 2021, she was a 256... It's only Athlete. three minutes like, faster you know, than my PR. Yeah. <laughs> like, Chris, in a few years, you might be a 224 runner. <laughs> hey, I'll take um, it. Just every time she comes out, she continues to improve. She gets better and better. She, You know, former gymnast, got into running a little bit later, and just ran really well at CIM, got even better in Chicago. Um, but in the Chicago performance is kind of underrated because of how well everyone else, everyone else ran yeah. ahead of her. I just it's a trajectory thing, and to yeah. Eric's point, it's momentum, and you know, I'm I'm very thrown by like this is not a this is not something that anyone should look into, but but I can't get out of my head. I'm like gymnast, backflips, athlete, 
Olympian. (laughs) (laughs) And like the the math adds up in my head. I'm like, can anyone else in this field do a backflip? No. Like, how are you going to beat someone who can do that? No, God, no. No, one, <laughs> no one's backflipping. I mean, yeah. and, and her, she's just trending well. I mean, like, you're just improving. When you're improving, like, every single time out, and you've got all, like, like Kyle, you said, like, you got the momentum at your back, that's, that plays a huge factor. She's just on, kind of on fire right now. She's a Sidious Mag fan. Like, she likes all her stuff. Like, repost things. So, uh, we got to pick her to win. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, and then we've got... The NAZ contingent. We posted the workout this morning. Yeah. Kellen Taylor looking strong. Well, I thought Kellen looked amazing in New York. Yeah. You know, and top American. When, when we're talking about people who might take this race out, I mean, granted, it wasn't super fast, but Kellen's not afraid to take the lead and she's not going to let it just. It was also a little toasty around. in New York as well. So. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think she still needs the 229.30. So, you know, if Kellen's going to make this team, then it can't go too slow. Uh, I, I like her momentum. I think. You know, she ran well here, not here, but at the trials in 2020. And yeah, people forget, like, I guess, remind people just like NAZ had a pretty strong showing, right, obviously yeah. the win. Then after that, it was three in the top 10. Yeah. So, I mean, they're very good at the marathon. Yeah. Uh, no surprise there. And then I'm trying, I'm, I'm wearing these shoes and the, like, the I, put them on, I put them on and I, I laughed out loud because it, it, it's just, it, it's, it's just very different than things were a few years ago. <laughs> things have really progressed here in shoe technology. Like, so, um, yeah, I, I, I think that Kellen is someone who can do really well. Alphine, obviously, defending champion. You got to give her flowers for that. We do know that, you know, she it hasn't came been out a perfect said, build up. Not a perfect build up, um, but someone who, if we're if we're talking real dark horses, Lauren Hagens looked. I mean, she's run 225. Again, we were just saying earlier, look, Alfian won. Her PR was 226.50 coming into 2020. Lauren Higgins looked really good in that workout when Mac was in Arizona. And maybe, uh, you know, she's got that – she's got track speed. Yeah. So I, I, I think that NAZ Elite will definitely be more in the conversation than a lot of people are realizing. Yeah. We do have, oh, we had a special guest joining oh. us, but we'll we'll hold off on that. Uh, from this list, Dakota Linworm, another person that you were looking at Strava, right? Dakota runs a lot. <laughs> she runs a lot. She runs also, a lot of Minnesota, miles. Minnesota, great marathoning state. Oh, Max, all about Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. The Minnesota elite squad, you know, they – I feel like they have developed so much underrated talent these last few years, and it's just been completely overlooked. They have a really, really good team. Minnesota as a state, I don't really understand <laughs> what's going on and why they have completely dominated distance running per capita uh, the last 20 years. But uh, Dakota, you know, she's running 130 miles a week. Uh, I saw in the middle of one of those big weeks, she ran 3x3 three three mile at 515, said it yeah. felt good. So, um has done well at Grandma's Marathon. See if she can take it here. So, look, like, we're overlooking and we're, we're generalizing and we're really breaking it down to those top three or four. Yeah. There is, I, I can, if I had to take, whether or not someone with a personal best slower than 224 makes the team or not, I think it ends up happening. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of just saying, basically, if you're not top four or five, you're a dark horse. When, you know, so it's like there's a lot of, 
really talented women oh. who, have, on. who have who have who have put in the work. <laughs> hey, <laughs> who have put in the work? Who are who are due up for for a big race and are, and probably aren't getting the shine they deserve. All right, Galen Rupp just ran by. There was a red light. He didn't stop and jog in place. He did the he he waited. He really just sat and waited for the light. Um, and I also he's a music guy, which I like. He's a yeah. He's listening yeah. to Sidious Mac podcast kind of rare. actually. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you see you mo- see most runners. They're not they're not usually listening to music unless you're on like. Is he going for the Strava segment right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah Kyle, Kyle, you, Kyle, you might have your work cut out for you later today. <laughs> All right, we've got. A guest joining us here. We've got Hoka NAZ Elites, Ben Rosario. This is perfect. We get a team report, basically, on the NAZ marathoners. Yeah, yeah, come on by. It's on NBC. <laughs> it's a serious Mac. It's a serious Mac YouTube, not NBC. <laughs> hey, Ben. Hey, what's up? Yeah. All right, Ben. How are the nerves, I guess, in the days leading up to a marathon trials? Like, compared to four years ago, For I guess. For me, personally, very different because I was the head coach four years ago, and yeah, now yeah. I'm the, just the director, so just the director. So yeah. um, <laughs> I don't have the same nerves personally, but I have the same excitement level. Yeah. Very excited. So give us, I guess, like a rundown. We, we're, we're, we've been talking about the women's side, so I guess we'll start there. I guess, how, how are the women feeling going into this one? Yeah, I think, again, it is different than four years ago. Four years ago... Everything was clicking on all fronts. Uh, Alphine, Steph, and Kellen were in amazing shape, and they were doing everything together. This was different because uh, Alphine was coming off an injury. Steph, of course, postpartum. Uh, Kellen had a short build because she did New York. Uh, in a lot of ways, Lauren Hagens is the one that, that had the smoothest build. <laughs> He's con- I, I like Lauren. <laughs> Nobody's talking about Lauren, but Lauren, let's not forget, debuted in 225, and... I just heard you guys talking about Jenny, and you know Lauren has that same sort of background: 202, 800 runner, 409, 1500. Well before uh, all this technology uh, came and changed the sport, and so she's very, very talented, and, and she's very fit. So I, I guess I would just say it's different. Everybody's in good shape, but they got there in different ways. I guess you you were making the case for Lauren. What impressed you? Yeah, I mean Lauren just looks really smooth and natural running some of those quicker paces. I guess compared to if you've run two hundred two, then you know running in the mid five suddenly does feel very comfortable. Can you just talk a little bit about her buildup? And I mean, what have you seen that is a reason that we should be putting her in the conversation as one of the dark horses? Yeah, I see that same smoothness. You know, biomechanically, she has very few flaws, and and I do think the technology, as she would tell you, has helped her. You know back in the day was I think difficult for middle distance runners to move up but I think she's shown that uh, at least for her personally it, it's not been that difficult of a transition and you don't have to run as many miles as you used to to run the marathon in my opinion be- because the technology is so good and she only runs 70 75 miles a week but you don't need to callous your legs in the same way that you used to because that's not a um, that's not as big of a challenge now and so that gives her a wonderful opportunity yeah when, uh, how do you balance that if you're running 75 miles a week to make sure that you're still getting enough volume at pace in? Is it days off? Is it no shakeouts? Is it, you know, really long run focused? How does she yeah, kind th- of approach I think, it? I think you're still doing the same amount of volume on the big sessions. I just think your daily mileage isn't as, as uh, big. You know, you're not running 10 or 12 every morning and 4 to 6 every afternoon. You're running some days where you're just going for a 6-mile run. And that might seem crazy to some marathoners, but it's really worked quite well for Lauren. 
Can you tell us a little bit on the men's side? I mean, we saw Futsum, obviously, as, you know, he looks at me. Like, <laughs> do you just watch Futsum and think, like, this guy's going to make the team based off not like he can do a 100-meter stride and you're just convinced? I've always thought that about <laughs> Futsum. Yeah, I mean, he just has, uh, you know, no wasted motion, very efficient, which matters in the marathon a tremendous amount. He also has a very calm demeanor, so mentally he's very um, – He's very suited for the marathon because it, it's not, you know, this isn't a football game where you get fired up and you're, you know, jumping around in the, in the locker room beforehand and running out of the tunnel. It, you know, you can't do that in a marathon. You'll waste all your energy. And so the fact that he's so calm, not only before the race, but even during. Sometimes you're just like, Footsome, are you in this thing or what? <laughs> I mean, he's just so relaxed looking. But I think that's, that's what it takes. And then you see when, when – uh, you know, let's say at the end of the CIM marathon, his first marathon ever, when he um, just ripped the last 5K, he's capable of going to that place. Yeah, I guess uh, some people may be curious. Like, th- these are adults, they're professional athletes, but as, as a coach, what did you tell, you know, your athletes in the m- moments leading up to this race, like the night before or even that morning, the final instructions before they're going to go to the starting line? Like, wh- what does an athlete hear at that point? Well, if you're a good coach, which I think I was a good coach, you, you, have, to know, you have to know the athlete. Yeah. You know, when we met in the lobby of the hotel in Atlanta before the trials uh, four years ago, when Alephine came down, she looked frightened, just absolutely frightened to <laughs> death. And I know that that's not her true self. So I said, Alephine, let's, let's smile. <laughs> I said, a smiling Alephine is a dangerous Alephine. You know, and then she smiled and, and you know, she was okay. But, but some people respond more to a, a little bit more intensity. You know, um, uh, Scott Fauble, who was on the team for a long time, you know, I might say something to him like more of a whisper, like, don't leave one goddamn thing out there on this course. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and so it just depends on the person. And I think you got to know, know your people. I love that. Uh, so this time around, I guess... When you look at just how U.S. women's marathoning has progressed in the last couple of years, what is the challenge to Jenna and, and, and Jack just kind of like to adjust training like and to keep up with sort of the times? Or like, is that difficult as a coach? It, only if you make it. You know, I think if you get caught up in what everybody else is doing, then you're uh, – losing sight of what works for you. Uh, I think it's a balance of learning from others, uh, looking at what others are doing, and then, and then uh, pragmatically uh, deciding what you might want to take and what you might not want to take and uh, sticking with, with uh, what's best for you and your team and your athletes and where you are. There's a lot of context involved. And so, yeah, I mean, again, I'll go back to Footsom. He's just not a guy. He's not a big workout guy. He's just uh, lots of doubles, you know, singles and doubles. And, uh, and then other people like the monster sessions. And, y- you know, that's okay, too. Um, I think you can get to the same place in different ways. Ben, you're a betting guy. Like, I, we, we can't, unfortunately can't bet on, like, the U.S. Olympic marathon trials. But for you, do you like kind of going in w- and, like, the team has always, like, had a little bit of, like, of a chip on our shoulders. Like, we're not going to have the best odds, but it's like we're going to make the most of it. And it's like... I'm betting on us. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it continues to baffle me why we get so underplayed. Uh, um, you saw Adrian Wiltz get win the other night, and no one had that picked him. That was big. Can we get him in this race? Like, I mean, <laughs> we, we knew. I, I, uh, yeah, I texted John Galt because... Uh, he said something like, uh, nobody saw that coming. I'm like, we saw it coming. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, this is our third Olympic marathon trials. And four, uh, eight years ago, we had two sixth-place finishes. Last time, we went first, sixth, and eighth on the women's side. And yet, still, it happens again. But we like it. We like being the underdog. And I think, I think um, even if we were being talked about, we'd find a way internally to act like underdogs. Yeah, yeah. It's important to have a chip on your shoulder as an athlete. I think the second you lose that and think you're uh, holier than thou or, or you think you're um, above everyone, that's when you get beat. So I'd rather keep that chip on our shoulder one way or another. I, I appreciate when, when uh, people give it, give it to us by uh, not talking about us. We've got some questions in the chat here that were submitted. Thoughts on the Hocus Yellow X1? Yeah, so, today. so so it, it did it did uh, uh, get unveiled today to the public. When I tried that shoe on, I couldn't believe how it felt. <laughs> like Kyle just said, walking around. Well, I, I say this with all the love, like, and you're, you know, not long after I came on Hoka 2014 as an yeah. athlete, and yeah. the fact that we have gone from what I first tried on to now, <laughs> as like what athletes get to race in, I mean, it's. Is unbelievable. It's crazy. When yeah. we first started in 15, they didn't have a racing flat. We took a shoe called the Huwaka, and, and one of their employees shaved it down to, to, to get it a little bit lighter, and we ran, a, we raced a marathon in that, Scott Smith and Matt Yano. Um, the first spikes I had didn't have spikes in them. They had little plastic spike like yeah and now it's like you it, know, it's what crazy is adrian running it yeah adrian was running in the cielo fly x1 which is <laughs> as good as any spike in the yeah. world so uh yeah no it's crazy what they've done and the cielo x1 has that feel where it, it's so tangible you, you you put it on and walk around and you're like oh my gosh i don't know what's going on here because i'm not a scientist but something is going on here <laughs> yeah it's, it's a pretty cool shoe uh someone else asked is NAZ concerned about the start time and the possible heat? I think we're past that at this point, like, in conversation. I mean, yeah, and if you didn't prepare for it, then <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I remember in the lead-up to, was it the 2020 marathon trials where you had people running, I think, like, with, you know, layers on and all that stuff? What 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 did you guys do this time around to prepare for the heat? Cause yeah, it's like simple, simple stuff. Well, we hired a sports scientist, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, we worked with that sports scientist for months now, and we studied our athletes and what they need to be taking and how much weight they're losing during uh, long workouts and how much uh, fluid they need to be uh, taking in and then of course over the last two to three weeks we uh, <laughs> we actually bought this yoga tent like individual hot yoga tent and we put it in our performance center we blew it up and then we dragged our treadmill in there so they were doing treadmill runs inside that and we had a heater in there and a humidifier so how we hot did, did it get it got to 90 degrees, yeah, and, and, and in some cases, like 70 to 80% 70 to humidity. It depended on the athlete because if they sweat a lot, it, it ended up getting more humid in there. We were testing the, you know, after each uh, run. Uh, but then uh, some of the athletes came down 12 days early to Orlando, some eight days early, and then Steph Bruce got in last night. But that was more life schedule stuff. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to give any predictions? No. <laughs> All right. Well, Ben, sweet, folks. Easy sweet. All right, Ben. Well, we appreciate you taking the time for this, and uh, best of luck uh, to the team, and and keep the nerves down. 
Thank you. I feel fine, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to move to Let's our pick. predictions. Let's pick. Yeah. Ben, you, you, yeah, you're good. You don't have to pick. <laughs> you don't have to pick. Um, all right. Let's start on the women's side, which is, I guess, like, this, this side might be a little bit easier in some way. I will be going with the chalk. I, I'm going with... Are we going top three, or are you going to go winner and... Top three. three. All right. Right, Mac? You yeah. want to, to each one of us to give our top three? Uh, yeah. All right. Top All right. three. I'm going Sisson, D'Amato, Sena. Chalk. <laughs> boring. <laughs> boring. Boring, Chris. Yeah. It's like when... You what's don't want to take any risks. No. It's like when Obama picked all one seeds. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm going, I'm going chalk. I want to look smart if it plays out that way. So you have Sisson winning. Yeah. Why Sisson over the other two? Uh, I'm, I think about that 2021 trials all the time. And the American record holder, uh, this is just, she was head and shoulders above everyone in Chicago. I just feel she can pull away from both Kira and Betsy in the late stages of a race. She still has the track kick, I think. Although, I've been impressed with Kira's foot speed in some of these workouts on Strava. So it's going to be close. I, I don't think it's a runaway victory, but I'm going Sisson for the win. Should we go yeah, let me, Eric I, next? I, I, it's funny. I, I, when, when I sent in my original picks, I was just firing straight from the hip. <laughs> um, my, my gut instinct, actually, when I, when I said it was, I was like, Emily, Emily Sisson's injured. <laughs> going off no information. <laughs> Going off nothing, I was just like, you know what? There's something, something. Oh wow! Look at the cross. <laughs> what is the street. going on two, across the street? Two dogs getting after it across the street. Yeah. Luis Rahava is yeah. giving Galen Rupp advice across the yeah. street right now. Yeah. Career <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I think it. you'd be a great NBC yeah. commentator. Yeah. Yeah. I like how Luis is. If we, if we have a camera that pans over, Luis is wearing the Sidious Cafe like uh, apron, apron yeah. right now, and <laughs> maybe Galen is like, what coffee shop do you work for? Yeah, yeah. Galen, Galen's like one americano, please. Tell, yell, tell Galen you're a big fan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's oh, going that on good. right now. Yeah. Oh, we missed it. All right, oh, all right. Back good. to that back to our picks. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Betsy Sena. Well, should we get Luis on yeah. to give us? Yeah, yeah. 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 All right, Betsy, Luis, come over here. Uh, Betsy Sena for the win. Diamato, Sarah Hall. Okay. Wild Horse, Natasha Rogers. Okay. Um. You got to be a little bit more creative than Real the, quick, just the just top three. All right, we uh, we had to bring on Luis after we just saw him yeah. across the street. What did Galen say? Is he good? Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, he says perfect weather. Um, can't complain, and I don't know. He's in great shape, I think. All right, well that's it. All right, we got yeah. the Galen report from Luis. <laughs> Was he concerned at all about uh, Houston? He didn't really like no, crush he, it. He didn't, he didn't care. He, he wasn't concerned. Yeah. Nice. I think the only thing he's mad about is like they should have started the race a little bit later. <laughs> Is that he wanted a later race? Yeah. This is good intel. I love I that. Mean, that, that, that. That would work for Galen. I mean, it's like Galen does best in, in, the, in the brutal conditions. I mean, of course, he's going to want it at the hottest part of the day. Who's your top three? Uh, on the men's side? Both sides. Women, yeah. uh, uh, no <laughs> particular order, but I say Galen, Bia, and Futsa. What Wait, you everyone's oh. saying Bia what? is in really good shape out yeah, of Flagstaff. He's in great shape. Tell, yeah. tell us a little something. What have you seen in Flagstaff? Uh, or what's the buzz in Flagstaff? I just in. hear rumors that yeah, you're good. Scoot in. He, a little he bit. does. Uh, 
Yeah, go right like there. 30 miles at five-minute pace, like it's nothing. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But the flat top on his head, it just keeps him kind of going pretty steady. And he's really good at the kind of the circuit of road, road running. So uh, I feel like he just has this uh, personal experience of, like, knowing how to compete within the Americans. So I think he he's one of the favorites, I think. Yeah. Women's side, do you have picks? Women's side, I'm going to say Justin Hansen. Yeah. Whoa, Wait, they, this they is they a good right? dark horse. Debut, All right, yeah. go on, go on. Justin Hansen. Then we go, uh, let's see, who else? Emily Simpson. And then uh, I think uh, Rojas. I think she's going to make it. Wow. I, this is a. I love that. Okay. Tell us a little bit about Jessa because we haven't even talked about her. But, like, what have you seen that's so good? Uh, I haven't seen much because I, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. But she's an NEU alumni, so uh, got to support the Lumberjacks. But uh, I think she's going to, yeah, marathon debut. She's Mer been training with Emily Durgan, right? Yeah. Remember when Molly made her debut in the marathon and she made the team? I think it's going to be very similar. A passing of the torch yeah. from because John Green training coach and she gets coached by John Green. There we go. Yeah. This is a good addition. Have <laughs> Luis's right. picks in the mix. <laughs> yeah, Luis. We'll thanks for joining we'll us. We'll see you tomorrow. See you guys yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's gonna go make his coffee. Um, good guy. I mean, if it, there's no way he's right on all those. Those are, that was crazy. <laughs> but this he is what you were talking. Yeah. This is what you were talking biased, about. It's sort of like. <laughs> You were talking about like, oh yeah, when someone throws out some of these crazy names, like you're gonna think they're crazy, uh, they're yeah. bananas. He's like, if anyone has gone to NAU or is <laughs> trained by Mike Smith, they're gonna make the easy team. heavy favorite. <laughs> yeah. All oh, right, I love that. I mean, of course, you gotta love that. That's what we, that's what you'd want him to say. Okay, so we got Eric's picks, my picks. Uh, Mac, you're up. Should. Oh, here we go. Let's go, baby. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of going chalk too. I'm going. Uh, Betsy just way too consistent in big races. So I think Betsy's taken third. Um, Kira, I love the Strava, just super consistent, and she races a lot. I like how, I don't know, roadworthy she is at this point. And to win, it, it's, it's Sisson. Sisson is gonna beat the hell out of everyone <laughs> on Saturday. The, um, I don't know. I, she's got a hot bat right now. I don't think she's lost to another American in like a while, two years at this point. Um, I think she's going to absolutely destroy the field over the last 10K. I think it's going to be a 10K trials-esque type performance here. Okay, I like that. All right, Kyle, your picks. All right. Betsy Sana is going to win this thing. Woo! The, Woo! the confidence that oozed out of the phone when speaking with her. <laughs> she ran great in Tokyo, ran great in Sydney, and she said she's training even better now. The mileage is up. The workouts are better. She's coming in. And she's taking this. And, and we're going to look back after and be like, why did anyone doubt this? Well, it looks like on the graphics, okay, we're, so we're my, all my picking Sana. Kyle, my question to you is, like, when, when does the break happen? How does Betsy break Emily Sisson? Yeah, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. she's going to run a mile faster than Emily can. <laughs> and that's when she's going to break her. Uh, no, I think that at some point, Betsy around 2021 takes a big risk and goes for the win and I think Emily just wants to be on the team a little bit more whereas Betsy she's I mean she's she's running to win this thing I think is really my thought process if I'm Betsy like take a risk when everyone else is being safe um, and that's how she pulls it out so Betsy's gonna take the win I think Emily is gonna finish in second 
uh, because she's really good at running. I just don't think she's going to try to match that move that Betsy makes. And then third, you guys were calling her a dark horse. I don't understand why we're calling someone who came in ninth at Worlds a dark horse. It's Lindsay Flanagan. And I, I wrote in the lap count this week who my picks were, and I didn't include her. <laughs> and then last night, I was like, wait a second. Let me just see something. I went, I pulled up some numbers. She was ninth. Eighth place ran is a 220 athlete at Worlds. Seventh place, 220 athlete. Who finished 10th behind her? 220. <laughs> like... Why, just because it was hot out and she ran 227 doesn't mean that she's a 227 runner. I mean, the winner of Worlds, Amon Burizo, ran 224, and she's a 214 runner. Like, forget the time. She was ninth in a very, very good world championship, and that's why Lindsey Flanagan is making this team, and afterwards it'll make sense to everyone. And then the next three years she's going to crush it. She's going to get hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to races, and she's going to blow up. She's going to be on it the morning show every day. It's gonna be, and then everyone will be like, remember when no one else picked her? <laughs> Except Kyle. Except me. I got you, Lindsay. All right. I don't know how you're going to break it to Kira that you didn't pick her in the top three, but good luck with that. <laughs> All right, let's track. She's coming back, <laughs> dropping down. I've seen the speed work. Kara's winning the 10K trials. All right, okay. Let's uh, go over to the men's side. This one is just crazy. Um, we're gonna have to throw in some qualifiers here. So, like, it's gonna be three guys. Hopefully, as uh, with the ranking shaking out, I'll lead us off. I'm gonna go with Connor Mance for the win Galen Rupp right behind him I go back and forth between those two and then third I'm sticking with my guy Scott Fobble I mean I, I love the confidence oozing from, from Scott right now uh, training's been going well I mean if he's healthy he learned a lot I think from 2020 that he's that's the one where I think like he it was a big moment for him in terms of just like his approach to, to to the marathon and the respect that he has for it so i think this is scott's time so mance rup fobble yeah i it's i have basically had like a it's this very similar top three i'm gonna switch it up a little bit <laughs> spice um, it up for us a little bit yeah i mean i think i think galen will it's galen's probably i i think i like galen's odds of winning it galen or galen mance um and then I said Lenny Career, Lenny Career with Scott Fobble as um, as my wild wild card. Um, Lenny's been forgotten. We have not talked why about him. Why? Hey, you're you're switching Galen to first, right? I'm switching Galen okay. to first. Yeah, there we go. See, yeah, we got a Lenny Career fan over there. <laughs> why, why did I say that? No clue. I just thought, you know what? I really like how Lenny races. He hasn't done much recently. I don't care. I don't care at all. I think he's going to be, be up there, um, race against him all the time in college, big fan, I think he's going to do well. Um, that's, that's my top three. All right. Mac? Uh, my picks are, I, I think I'm going a little bit more with my heart here and who I've like hung around, and it's, it's the three guys I've done uh, workout videos with. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the Mac bias. It's a total like recency bias thing. It's like who have I seen work out, and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I could never do that. (laughs) So it's uh, my third place. I'm going with CJ. Uh, Oh, I like that. 
I think I think that it's going to be a chaotic men's race tomorrow, and I, I think that no one has more experience in a chaotic race than the man who puts him in the fire, puts himself in the fire more frequently than anybody else. Uh, for second, I am going with Futsum. Same thing. That workout, everyone's making a big deal about some of those other Strava workouts. Futsum was just chatting along, laughing that entire workout. What the, was the workout? It was uh, 18 miles. It's like right? a 10-mile progression. Yeah, it was uh, four miles marathon pace, 10 miles with uh, alternating S- surges, uh, surges every, like, three at three, s- six, nine. And then the last four miles were at marathon pace again. And the entire time, he's just barely breathing, chatting along, having the best time of his life. So uh, he looked fantastic there. And to win, I am going with Fobble, all right. And it has nothing to do with workouts. It has everything to do with him being feisty on Twitter <laughs> and uh, our, our group chat. The, the guy was radio silent for months. That's and then, like, training. recently in the last two weeks, he's, like, been a little active in there. And it's like, all right, this guy's confident. I like his chances. Wow. The, the variety <laughs> on screen right now of these picks is great. Kyle, sp- do, you, do you have extra spice for us here? I got a little spice. Okay. Give us a, give us a lot of spice. I mean, first <laughs> off, Galen Rupp is by far and away the best runner in this field. Yeah. Um, so he's going to win because Galen could run at 70% and make this team. I just... I feel like we're forgetting how good he is at running because he got hurt for a couple of years. And now all of a sudden it's like we're acting like he forgot how to like win Olympic medals. Like, of course, he can make an American team that doesn't even have three Olympic standards. Like, I just don't see it. Like, he's won this thing twice already. He's going to win a third time. He's not 100 years old. He's like 37. People do no, things. He's far, no, he's far from a hundred. Yeah, people do things at thirty-seven. You still got your whole life ahead of you. Yeah. So no, I um, mean, yeah, Galen is just a different beast. I mean, we we don't need to keep talking, keep harping okay. on it. But yeah, he's 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 a top dog. He's a top dog. He's winning or he's dropping out, and there's no in between. There's no <laughs> yeah. world in which he comes in third place. Um, He's not going to let someone beat him. (laughs) If you're going to beat him, he's dropping out. Yeah, I'm out of (laughs) here. See ya. (laughs) Second is Connor Mance. Because, like, he's pissed when he runs 207, and I just love that energy. Uh, uh, Nothing to expand on that. Third place, same mindset as Lindsey Flanagan is Zach Panic. I don't understand how much we're discounting performances at Worlds. He was 13th at Worlds. The guys all around him are like 205 guys. Why why do we think that he is not on that level? He's training harder and better than ever before. When he ran 209, it was still new to the marathon. He's got some experience now. I think we're going to see a a Brian Sell-esque performance here. He's been in Orlando. He knows this climate. True, that, that plays a big factor, actually. And yeah. I think it's going to so be... So you're changing your mind. <laughs> I'm like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just, I, I, you know, he's a little grind boy. He's a grind boy. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's important. And yeah. Again, like, Mac is very biased about anyone he watches work out. Anyone I talk to on the phone, I'm like, I get up. I'm like, that guy's definitely going to make the team. <laughs> yeah. he, he was so nice. <laughs> We've got a bunch of people watching on the YouTube stream. The chat is active. Chat, hit us with your top three picks. If you're listening in podcast form, submit it into the Q&A. If you're listening on, on Spotify podcasts. I mean, so these are our picks as of 
Thursday at 11.49 a.m. We've got a press conference tomorrow where we might go and pepper some athletes with some questions. We'll have a bunch of interviews on our YouTube channel. We're going to try and get more of a gauge for who's bluffing, who's fit, who's not. Can we play a game, though, real quick? And then, and then tomorrow night for our final prediction show, we'll go live at around, I think it's like 6 p.m. Eastern time, and we're... We're going to express if our picks change because I mean, there's still plenty of time to change our minds about things. Give me your craziest name that might make the team. Your darkest dark horse. Diego someone- Estrada. <laughs> I don't think he signed up. Did he not sign up? He ran like 60 flat in yeah. Houston. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> That's a dark horse. I don't yeah. think he's here. Um, oh, well. I'm going. I'm going on the men's side. Yeah. To show me McConan. Like, okay, uh, it's not that crazy. Not that crazy? You're like, you're be a Samasa. Not, not that, that crazy. Kevin Salvano yeah. from That's David Nelly. Okay. That's the kind of craziness we need. I'm going Andrew Colley. Because wow. it just seems like a thing Colley would do is make this Olympic team. Yeah. What, what about uh, Matt McDonald? There we go. There we go. He, he, uh, he was fighting for third in the uh, 2020 trials until like mile. He was up uh, there. Yeah, 20 he was. Three? Or Ryan yeah. Schrader. Yes! Uh, yeah. There we yeah. go. Say it with your chest. Yeah. All right, women's craziest pick. Who do we got? Uh, we got McKenna Myler being shouted out. McKenna Myler from David Melly. Um, Viola Cheptu? Is she in the field? Viola Cheptu. No, no, no. There's, there's someone else. There's, there's, someone, there's someone new added to the field. Viola Cheptu. I don't think it's American. <laughs> <laughs> I may have got that wrong. Des Linden? Des <laughs> Linden. Uh, that's, oh. that's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Elvin Cabet is who I was thinking of. All right. My crazy one I'm going with Anna Roar. What? Yeah. The guy just honked at you. I'm just going for it. <laughs> the, the Molly Seidel path. Just like out of nowhere, yeah. the Notre Dame. Yeah. I also I, I think it just takes so much more for a crazy pick to make it on the women's side, but I, yeah, I think it, that's like a it's a Durgan or a Montoya. Oh, type. oh yeah, like that's, that's a good. Those are good. Say everyone's yeah. name. Neely yeah. Gracie. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. Nice, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Erica, Erica Kemp. Kemp. Yeah. I just want chaos. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be. If we did it, if someone makes this team whose name we did not say, this whole prediction show. Sidious Mag is wrapping up. <laughs> We're done. This is the last, yeah. the last we, we will ever cover. If someone who did not make it in the preview, there should or be something. Some, I mean, we're, have, we're, you have to do something. Like you know the if, crazy part. If they don't do, if they, if someone that you haven't said makes it, you guys have to do something. Yeah, you have to like. Jump in the lake. Lake Eola. <laughs> you're going to have to go skinny dipping in the lake later. Uh, Saturday night. You know, so someone picked up on the fact none of us picked Clayton Young in the in our top three. Jesus, it's cr- that's crazy disrespectful. <laughs> the only guy. Dark yeah. <laughs> what, the only guy who's got the qualifier. Like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Who? And, yeah. and this would be Clayton so, Murphy? Yeah. I'm like, Clayton Murphy can't run that far. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Yeah, I shouldn't have said Diego Estrada, and I should have said Clayton Young, the only other guy who's got to stand. Hey, at least you're p- picking Americans. Chris is <laughs> Chris yeah. is handing out citizenship. <laughs> Diego Estrada sitting at the house like Jesus Christ, I missed my flight. <laughs> All right. 
I think Clayton that's Young it. might not be a bad pick now that I'm thinking about it. Huh. Huh. Well, too late. I said Estrada. <laughs> All right. I think that does it. For the City of Smag pre-race show, we'll be live on YouTube again tomorrow for our final predictions on on Saturday morning. Catch the watch along. We're gonna be live at nine thirty. Uh, expect plenty of surprises, plenty of laughs. Our own the analysis. The New City of Smag take is like Clayton Young. No shot. <laughs> no, no shot. <laughs> Why would you think a guy who's run 208 flat hits the Olympic standard has a chance of making the Olympic team? That is a wild card. Be shocked if he lines up. Is <laughs> it good for him for even being brave enough to start? He's got no shot out there. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, his coach has coached no one who's ever, <laughs> like... He's not, like, a heavy favorite to make it. We're like, Does yeah. he have a good training party? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nothing he has done since October is indicative of him being in this race. Don't quite see it, but <laughs> bless his heart. Bless his heart. It would be it would be really cute if he made it. Yeah, it'd be adorable. All right, we will see you guys tomorrow for our final predictions. Take care. We're gonna try. We're gonna try and wrap our heads. Don't tell Clayton to, yeah. to watch. Yeah, we'll watch Actually, no, maybe we'll pick him tomorrow night. <laughs> He's a Hallmark. Yeah. I think he'll win. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow.